morning from sunny Luxor. My name is Jana Kumanitska and this is Pedro Bonato and we are taking you on another journey of Artist Date episode. Today probably talking about our experience in Luxor. Yeah, uh, we, we decided to, we stay in this Airbnb here in Luxor. It was supposed to be just a few days here, but we decided to extend our stay and uh, we should note that we are recording this in the be almost beginning of summer here in Egypt, which is incredibly hot. It's what, 7 something a.m. and it's already hot. not unbearable, but it's like fairly hot. So it's kind of an interesting uh, experience. We have experienced a lot of like deep cold nourished experiencing literally desert uh sun but um, well, yesterday was 46 degrees celsius yeah plus, so, so it's uh, very cool and then uh we decided to basically our last episode was a little bit more let's say on the not negative but like complaining generic side, like <laughs> generic so we'd like to maybe in this episode talk about a little bit of uh, what we've been up to here if uh, you notice, you have the Nile River behind us right now, which is awesome. And uh, this, like, since it's low season here in uh, in Egypt, basically we have the whole balcony here for 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 ourselves. Yeah. Uh, very especially few... for this area, just to clarify, because summer it's a season of vacations, and many people do go to like sea resorts in Egypt, but. Um, in general, Egypt surprisingly summer is low season because it's extremely hot and everyone thinks we are crazy ones that we decided to spend summer in Egypt <laughs> and not only in Egypt but going through like even like the most hot parts like as Peter mentioned this is only beginning of summer yesterday was 46 it's super sunny so I do apologize I will be wearing my sunglasses for this episode although I did my makeup since early morning, but did it for nothing. But it's just extremely sunny, hot uh, uh, all day long. And even at night, one of the surprises, before we start going into the places that we visit, one of the surprises I think both you and me experienced for the first time a few days ago, it was one of the very, very windy days. And usually, like the first week when we were here, like wind brings a nice breeze, etc. And that day, the wind was burning it was hot wind i've never experienced anything like that in my life yeah it was uh, as if someone like if you ever barbecued is that hot air that comes from the barbecue that's basically what it is uh like really really intense and even in the middle of nile because we were yeah. crossing the nile it's not that big here probably like now has bigger parts wider parts but here it's still pretty big and even in the middle of river you're on the boat and it's still that hot wind <laughs> yeah the hot wind coming from so that you have a little bit of a geography of what we are we are in like let's say middle of the country here is towards the southern part of egypt luxor and it's uh, behind us uh, right there is the luxor temple very famous very famous place karnak temple is just a little bit north from here just what five ten minutes three, north huh? three kilometers three kilometers yeah like on the boat it's very easy to cross and uh, we are on the west bank of the Nile here where exactly where we are so you have most of the temples on the east side and here we are actually facing the valley of the kings we're actually 
towards that uh, the famous places where they they have the valley of the kings the valley of the queens uh, hatchet subtemple all of that is well basically in front of us technically behind you from your screen <laughs> <laughs> careful the mummies are behind you <laughs> yeah but anyway the um that's the context in which we are and uh, we have spent a whole month in Cairo doing some things there. It was the beginning of our exercising muscles of traveling again, again. Uh, doing a lot of like content and work there. And then uh, we decided to come down here and then I think we actually got a little bit more into the groove of uh, our, let's say, creating content and working like yeah. dichotomy. Just to specify also for people, especially Vulusa and you, we are not traveling as a vacation, so it's a lifestyle. And as we travel, we don't stop stop the work. And our work is typically content of different uh, style, content for social media, content for the Yana Dance Club, like dance classes, some music videos, etc. And uh, Music videos, you mean dance videos? Yes, and you do your music videos that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and in Cairo, uh, uh, we knew that we want to come to Egypt for extended period of time, so not just like a few weeks or months. And first months, it was more like looking around, sightseeing, like checking like the main spot, but then also trying to figure out in general, like content-wise, what we can do and not do. And to be honest, first months in Egypt, I got a little bit tense and scared because it's so limited compared to other places in our experience so far. And um, then we came to Luxor. Our idea was to come just for a few days, maybe then go to Aswan, maybe come back right away to Egypt, uh, like pretty soon, because we were not sure, like, okay, like, just to see places, it's not really, our, I mean, we are curious, of course, but our main thing is always uh, um, doing some stuff, doing some interesting stuff. and. Usually, how our trips goes, we always stay way longer in the places than typically people would come. Like in our referring back to our uh, experience in Turkey, and there are some episodes about that experience too. If you go a little bit back, like even Pamukkale, like people go for one day to that spot. We spent three days there, literally just in one spot, and technically we didn't see everything in Pamukkale yeah. still. <laughs> Then Cappadocia, people come for like two, three days to check out things. We spent there two or three weeks, uh, I think three weeks yeah, fully. Three weeks and again, we didn't even see everything, but it's not like we, like, it's still very busy day. So in Luxor, we were not sure, like, okay, like if it's going to be like Cairo, maybe just a few days, like to see like main temples and then, okay, go back and try to figure out not only travel part, but work part too. But then it ended up being a little bit more relaxed and uh, uh, getting like a couple more interesting opportunities. And that's why we ended up basically technically in total will be two and a half weeks here. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, the for me the the interesting thing. It was a childhood dream to actually come to Egypt, and Egypt has come to my like my interest in Egypt has uh, not only changed but being added on throughout the years. So when I was uh, like really like young, about eight or nine, I read this book from National Geographic that my dad brought that came like a those remember when we had newspapers so on the sunday newspaper in brazil i think it was uh, on the foliage sao paulo which is basically their version of the new york times 
and uh, I know Brazilians are cringing when I say this, but just to have as a reference. Uh, but and then they would bring these uh, like little little booklets about Egypt, and I started reading those things. And there were like it's those times when you had. Sometimes the teacher did not want to teach, and so they put a little VCR with uh, old Encyclopedia Britannica uh, VHS tape uh, with like a documentary about something. They would do that sometimes. And I remember specifically the one about Egypt, and mm. I thought it was like so interesting. Right after that, it was um, Eric and von Daniken, The Chariots of the Gods, which is this. Uh, it's a pseudoscience. Now I know it's pseudoscience, but like, uh, like he had this theory of ancient aliens that came from this guy. It's this German guy from the seventies mm -hmm. that who they the 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 like uh, aliens made the pyramids, that kind of stuff. And uh, I remember, like, I was eight or nine. To me, it was like oh, fascinating. Maybe who knows? And uh, then, of course, after those ideas were debunked by a lot of uh, common sense and and the inconsistencies. I also got interested in Egypt from the point of view of um, Arabic music. Mm -hmm. And then right after, on uh, when I started getting interested in the work of uh, Graham Hancock and like ancient civilizations, the possibilities that some of the things here in Egypt are even older than what people say it is. Uh, so to me, it was quite fascinating to come and see all these layers finally coming to, to see. So, and Luxor has that's my, my whole preamble with this, is that Luxor has actually a feel of ancient Egypt. A feel of yeah. what you would expect Egypt to be, which is very different than the vibe in Cairo. Yeah, but Cairo is also, I think, we did not explore Cairo fully. But yeah, it's a modern city, it's a capital, it's a lot of things going on in Cairo, and even the vibe and... Uh, uh, the uh, speed of Cairo, let's say, <laughs> it's a different different story, I think, for different conversation. But here in Luxor, mm -hmm. it's very interesting because there's a bunch, I mean, they are spread around Egypt um, in different proximity to, to the Nile, but in Luxor, it kind of feels like the concentration of temples from different periods uh, at the same period and, and from different historical periods, uh, they're all ancient. But they're still, even between ancient, they're like some newer, some older. And temples for temples and tombs, some dedicated to pharaohs, some dedicated to goddesses um, uh, of different style. And uh, some of them are pretty, um, let's say, worn out by time, obviously, because it's like such an ancient uh, building construction. But some are very well preserved and you can see even the original colors on them. And, uh, um, that's why Luxor is also the concentration of like uh, a spot for tourists and typically tourists come for one, maybe two days. Uh, there is also an opportunity if you just come to see it, very cool by the experience, the cruises that can take you from, let's say, to Cairo, from Cairo, no, Cairo to... Not from Cairo. Not only from Cairo? From, no, only from Luxor to, uh, to Aswan. They used to have, now they have ah. one or two that are available and they're very expensive. And, but there uh, are. <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of. I couldn't book any, any of them. I couldn't find a place to book. Uh. I just heard that there are. But uh, anyway, is, this is like usually what people do is they either fly or get the train and come down to Luxor and go to Aswan, and then, which is even further south. Uh, or they go to Aswan and go up I to see. Luxor. So usually people do it that way. Yeah, but 
in principle, there were cruises that very cool idea was also that you kind of instead of hotel, you were living in the cruise and uh, during night uh, and morning, evening, it travels and takes it from one place to another. And there is a bunch of spots for tourists to come and see. And if you just to see, like it's kind of doable to do like in a few days. Uh, uh, quickly yeah. like because mm -hmm. uh, some temples are really huge some are like pretty small and of course it's the famous spots of Luxor temple uh, well uh, Karnak Valley of King uh, Kings uh, well of the Queens uh, uh, and then uh, other spots in there so from um, all the range of spots that we saw so far we saw pretty much all famous spots except yes. a couple uh, which one was your favorite you mean here? Yes. I mean, uh, but are you considering our little trips to... Yeah, around, because people... Yeah. Are, yes, it's another clarification, I guess, we should get, because people based in Luxor, like, they come, like, I don't know, book hotel, and then they do one-day trips to other, like, spots that are two, three hours away from Luxor driving. Yeah, so to me... Well, I have two. Uh, we were, as we always say, like, we were both, like, exploring, like, these interests in, when you're traveling. Uh, like any person that travels, and um, also creating content there. So I actually have two. Uh, one from a more, actually both are personal, but one from a more content uh, perspective and another from a personal perspective. So the first one is, um, from a content perspective, was we, we got a guide recommended here to us, like to basically a driver, but he's also a guide to, to the area, uh, like an Egyptologist. So, but he took us to a bunch of different places that we wanted to go to Hatshepsut Temple, uh, to the Valley of the Kings. And then since we still had some time in our hands that day, um, I asked him if there were other places that would be interesting. And even though I have extensively researched, uh, like Egypt, uh, both for the trip and things that I've, okay, I wrote down, I have want to be Abu Sir, I want to see Dashur, I want to see this, I want to see that. I have never heard of this particular temple. Like, it's the temple of, uh, it's what they call Habu Temple. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it was the most beautiful, most yeah. interesting, off the beaten path, super close to here. I even, if we stay here a few more days, we might even decide to go there and do something else because it's... Uh, very cheap to go, to, in my view, let's say from an aesthetic point of view, not necessarily a historical point of view, it's nicer than, um, than Karnak, it's nicer than Luxor. It's more preserved, eh? yeah. and the, yes, visually, like the, the um, aesthetics, like they are more rich. Yeah, and the one thing that usually, like whenever you visit temples, or like, they're ruins, right? They're not, or they're reconstructed, or they are like, in, different stages of destruction yeah. so you have to use a lot of imagination to imagine how they are uh, in this case one of the things that people talk about in uh, in uh, about egypt is that the all the walls were super colorful and there you could actually see a lot yeah. of not necessarily the original color because they i'm sure they're even brighter than what they are now but the tops of the of the temples had the colors and that to me was like a magical thing to actually observe mm -hmm. and also like it was like little corners that both of us were i think in that thing about like play about oh let's create here like not that we needed to oh for content let's find the spot or like oh 
it, it just felt inspiring to do it. Yeah. So that was the first one. And the second one was one that I couldn't go inside, but at Abydos, which is about two hours away north mm -hmm. from, uh, from here, they have a temple Seti the first <clears throat> that uh, I am not, I think it's New Kingdom. But anyway, it's about uh, like a 3,000 year old temple anyway, uh, give or take. But in Egyptian timeline, that's sometimes considered new, right? So uh, I will check the dates, but it has a little section that is called the Osirium. And I had read about the Osirium for a long time. I watched a lot of uh, uh, documentaries and the little like YouTube videos from people talking about the Osirium that I actually visited there. Uh, and um, um, especially a shout out to Ben from... Uh, um, Uncharted X, it's a, a very cool YouTube channel that talks about ancient Egypt stuff. Uh, and it's a very, like, if you don't know what you're looking at, it looks, it's basically a bunch of stones, it's a ruin. But we were able, only able to see it from the top. But it was really cool to actually go and see it because there are these, let's say, alternative theories that to me they sound ever more plausible, but it's still just theories that are not mainstream, not accepted, that there could have been a more ancient civilization that did megalithic constructions and that like the Egyptians and other civilizations basically inherited a lot of those, uh, a, a lot of those uh, constructions, whatever remains of them. Independently of being true or not, it was very interesting to go and see the place for myself, even though as we got there, we discovered that you actually need to get a permission from Cairo and you have to pay what like a few thousand dollars to be able to go in usually people book tours and then they go in it's very controlled very separate when we went there but you could see it from the top mm -hmm. but as we were there on the top there was always a dude that was standing there yeah. with us to make sure we wouldn't go like inside specifically that spot so to me that was very special to, mm. to see this one. so those are my two sorry for the long answer <laughs> no no that was cool mm. like i was also very fascinated with habu temple it was one of those magic discoveries and uh, i think we should go through all the places that we went so far maybe given yes some but tips. you tell first yours yes but like what if i choose also two yeah. one of them of course was also this habu temple uh which was a complete surprise. And I remember the day that we went, so we arranged with our driver, with our guide, like full day around Luxor. But we already went to Luxor Temple on our own, to Karnak Temple on our own. So we thought, like, okay, Hatshepsut Temple uh, would be a good one. And then let's go to the uh, Valley of the Kings. And then we thought it will take the whole day. And then around like 11, or no, not even noon, I think. It was like around 11 to 10, we were like, we're done. For context, we went, we got out at 6, we got to the Hatshepsut Temple at 6.30 a.m. We were the first ones yeah. to arrive. So when you say we're done at, at noon, means we've been doing stuff for like six hours. Five hours. Together ago. with Habu, it was about six hours, yes. yes. But, uh, or maybe it was around noon, but still, like yeah. we, were, we knew that we will go super early. And we still thought it will take us the full day or at least till afternoon and we'll be super exhausted after sun. And then here we're like, oh, 11 or noon it was. And it's like, 
like okay is there anything else like here to see because we didn't know like okay we researched the main things and then we went to those things but I was like, okay, is there anything like in a reachable, let's say, distance around Luxor? So it's not like one or two hour drive. And then the, uh, he, he suggested, he recommended to go to this temple. And it was like, okay, let's give it a try because we didn't know anything about it. And then it was that fascinating, secret, uh, uh, hidden jewel uh, that was not even filled that much with people. There were people, but for that time, that we went like more like middle of the day 11 or noon or whatever it was typically temples are very 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 crowded so that will be on the practical tips what time to go and where uh, but that temple was pretty relaxed it was not it's not a huge temple uh, but still it was not that many people and it was just like fascinating just like even to see there and just to look around like and, and like and the second spot for me that also had that impression not that oh let's take photo here or let's take photo there but like i just want to sit and look around was of course hator temple mm. because that temple has some spots absolutely magnificent not only for the idea it's like the temple of hator the goddess of art of music of dance play but visually that one also was very very interesting that i entered it and i was like Okay, there is no because we were also one of the first ones. Oh, we were the we were first, the one first again, ones again. arrived there too. But there were some people literally behind us going after. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, okay, let's like take advantage for now. It's empty. Let's take uh, some photos. And for us, cont also let's also clarify content in those side scenes. Those are more for social media. So it's majority mainly photos, but sometimes little videos like exploring the space. Uh, uh, like dance videos, I was very conscious where and what I can do or cannot do. So it was not uh, for those people who know, like I'm specializing in uh, belly dance, like there's no belly dance costumes, nothing like that. It's just you go with a, a regular touristic uh, like clothes. But I was always trying to figure out what can I do something unusual. So it's not just touristic photo because that's not really, uh, I mean, not much interest for me. It's not the photo like, oh, let's take a memory that I was there. Like it will stay in my mind but it was always like okay like i'm still a dancer i cannot dance really fully fully but what can we do unusual so for every temple it was a different uh, little hex of uh, okay i am in a regular clothes touristic clothes but it doesn't look touristic yet yeah, <laughs> and the result in the photos <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh hator was very cool because it had a little bunch of corners to uh, the by Hathor Temple just to clarify to people that's a place called Dendera right in the north of here it's about an hour away and it's very easy to get to unlike Abydos that it's actually a little bit further you have to pass through like this village that is a little bit more on the Cairo side of things it's more chaotic but to go to Dendera it's about an hour away from uh from Luxor. Anyway, it's, about, Sorry, it's about 80 kilometers, I think, from yeah. Luxor, and it's a very straight, uh, straight nice, photo. Uh, but still, don't expect that you really can rent a car and go. You oh, can you technically, you but cannot. it's too complicated because you will go through a bunch of police checks uh, and uh, still the traffic. I mean, here on the main roads, like big roads between cities, it's a bit more relaxed than Cairo, but still it's more like you will need to find a driver with a car rather than in other countries you can rent a car, actually. Yeah, here is impossible. Uh, 
So for me, Hathor Temple was not only interested, or Dendera Temple was not only interested in terms like, oh, visually, let's do some like photos, little videos here and there, but it had that impression like, I just want to sit and just be there. So that, that's only two places that really had this kind of impact on, on me. Mm -hmm. But I'm less equipped in terms of history, research and history of ancient Egypt. So for me, it's just visual, like the effect of places. And of course, uh, I'm very lucky to go with you around because you mm -hmm. keep telling me all these lectures, like I have my personal tour guide. <laughs> and then some places becomes interesting because I even remember in Hathor Temple, they have a crypt. Yes. And then we went there and there was one lady and you need to purchase a separate ticket there. And there was one lady, another visitor, who she didn't know that, oh, it's separate thing, separate ticket. So she was like, oh, you're going there? Like, tell me afterwards if it's worth or not. So she was waiting for us and she came, we came back. She was like, oh, is it interesting? And I was like, it's interesting if you know what you're looking at. Otherwise, like, okay, just like another, let's say, room or the temple, like, it's not that much, like, different visually but if you know what you're looking to then it's interesting or Syrian if you know what you're looking to then it's interesting and there was a couple other places like that also around Luxor and in Cairo it's like okay it looks just a stone but if you know what's the history behind it and the meaning then it becomes interesting yeah and I think it also a lot one of the things that is interesting that um, I guess you can do that independently of your lifestyle if you let's say if you have uh, home base, which most people these days like have home base somewhere, and then you travel to travel thematically, meaning, oh, you're interested in this thing or on yeah. that thing, and then you go to that place to experience that thing. Mm -hmm. To me, it seems to be the one of the best ways to experience a place. So, for example, uh, just to contrast with someone that is completely different lifestyle, but for my sister, she's uh, like a geologist, she works in Brazil, she works in the uh, um, in the city of Vitoria, and she, uh, which is in the, where we, we actually stayed for a while, um, and uh, she has two kids, and she uh, became a few years ago a runner, so she's a geologist, she's like, this, let's say, a very successful business, almost business uh, woman, and um, she loves running. So whenever she travels places, now she gets a chance because the kids are a little bit bigger so she can travel with them. So she goes for, let's say, weekend trips and she actually uh, goes and finds places to, to run in those cities. So she's combining those two examples. I have another friend that... And by running, you mean participate in the running events like marathons? Yes, marathons, like that. yeah, like you can do anywhere. Uh, yeah, like 5Ks, 10Ks, and sometimes not, sometimes she just goes to, yeah. to run. But uh, yeah, she does those events and that, that's um, just one of those things. I have another friend that, uh, like, uh, that uh, is my, one of my tennis buddies and he actually goes places and has classes in places to have like tennis lessons so he always books let's say the um, i don't know if his girlfriend goes to a spa or goes to this place or that place he makes sure that he goes and has classes in ten with ten in tennis in specific places mm -hmm. so combining those interests so to me i it just happens that i love ancient egypt so to me it's natural to find interesting things in egypt since it's such an ancient civilization uh but so that's one of those uh, but that's also what we are doing because it's not like we had to travel to egypt we travel to egypt because we chose it's uh, uh of our intersection of our interests. that's like, my point yeah. that's exactly my point so um 
Then uh, the other thing that I think it's interesting to to know to know too that on the east side, which is behind us, uh, it's where, as I said, Luxor Temple is, and a lot of the um, like um, hotels and uh, a lot of the tourists stay on that area. And then there is this other side of the Nile where uh, there is basically local people decided to build a lot of. Um, houses and a lot of like uh let's say three-story houses and uh, like mini hotels but they're basically airbnbs like all across here uh and they are fairly very affordable like incredibly yeah. affordable compared to mm. other places like touristic places yeah it's, in general it's very affordable yeah, very like affordable right very nice very big uh and um we were debating when we were in Cairo about going on these tours, this uh, tour, sorry, on these cruises. There is even a couple cruise ships behind us uh, docked in front of uh, Luxor Temple. Um, we we're debating whether or not to do that. We had a couple friends that actually went on those trips and they recommended it because you could go, as I said, from Luxor. Today they basically do the same um, itinerary which is go from uh, Luxor all the way to uh, um, Aswan, all the way to Aswan, which is where the dam is uh, on the south. And uh, sometimes people go all the way down to Abu Simbel, which is a place even further down uh, that has some, an interesting temple too. So, uh, and then uh, they sometimes take you to like a bunch of, uh, they go, doing stops along the way for you to go and see the, the places. And that has advantages and disadvantages. They are about, I guess, like for a five-day trip between $500 to 1000 maybe more if you're going on the super luxury. Uh, and, but what I noticed was you, what you want to do is experience the Nile and to cross the Nile on boats, right? That's the idea. And when you are in a ship, I mean, I haven't been to those, so I could not tell you how cool it is. But in the end, we ended up, okay, let's get, go from Cairo to here. We wanted actually to go all the way down the water, but apparently it's very difficult to do. And so we decided, okay, let's just come here through, through, through land. So we arrived, we came to this Airbnb, and then we noticed that there are all these, I think they're going to pass through behind us in just a bit, and you probably saw... These uh, little boats, they have some that, uh, um, uh, felucas, I think they're called, that they have the design that is very much the same for 5,000 years yeah. with the sail. And that's what they used to cross the Nile all the time. And now they have like, it's basically with a motorboat. Um, it's, they're not speedboats, they're like regular, we're going to insert some videos here to show. Uh, very calm, very nice, the Nile is very, let's say, behaved. Uh, and so our Ubers <laughs> in uh, Luxor to go to the other side where basically all the markets and uh, the museums and everything are, um, we'll get those, uh, those boats and just cross. And sometimes even to meet with a driver who will take you to sightseeing, like let's say to Dendera, it's sometimes easier uh, for us to cross and meet there rather than for a driver because there are two bridges uh, connecting but for car if you are talking about this specific spots like the middle of like Luxor like Luxor temple I consider that's the middle for for us from our mm -hmm. touristic point of view and 
literally across the Nile where we are staying, it's about like half an hour drive in to through each bridge for him to cross. So sometimes it's easier to take like a few minutes, five minutes and cross and then meet and then go somewhere. So it's something for you also to consider when you're choosing because the uh, West Bank where we are, it's much calmer, uh, no craziness, no sound, but East Bank is more dynamic, let's say. And remember, it's a very hot place, so people have a nightlife here. Yes, yeah, that's a characteristic of, uh, of Egypt that I did not expect to be. Like sometimes you have, actually it makes sense that sometimes some businesses will open at 5 and close at 11 or midnight. Which is if you're working in an office, two or three a.m. Yeah, for pharmacies, even yes. I saw. <laughs> like, so people actually work at night because it's super hot to to work to to work during the during the day. But um, what I was going to mention is uh, this experience of being in denial. Uh, we actually speaking of that yesterday. Even we we recorded a whole class for the Anna Dance Club in a boat inside one of the boats. And uh, it was really cool to do. Uh, we also had, uh, we did a little bit of drumming and uh, dancing on the boat. And it's a nice long boat. It has like, you can carry, I don't know, about 20, 30 people possibly, yeah. like 20 at least. Um, they're passing behind us all the time. And uh, the um, captains of those boats they stick around here and they're calling out the prices there is a little bit of the the the, the hassle, hustle a little bit yeah no I'll, it's I'll be nice yeah just to mention hustling is even worse than in cairo but yes. about hustling let's not go into that topic because you can watch the previous yeah, episode just where know, we there really is hustling went. all the time you deal yeah. with it as part yeah. of the landscape but independently of that as soon we found like a couple of captains like there's one boy that had uh, his uh, I guess driving, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, he's driving the boat that is, I think, from his uncle, so he's working there, very nice boy, he's not yeah. over t trying to upsell at least, uh, so far. Anything, at least so far, <laughs> yeah, like, he offers services, but he's not really, yeah. like, pushing like other guys, and it costs about, I'll say, like, you can always give a tip to people, well, but we, it's about a dollar to cross. We can, two dollars. I mean, let's let's yeah. name the prices because I think it will be useful for people. Yeah, this it's about June so. 2023, so yeah. late days may change. But June 2023, to cross just from one bank to another, like more or less direct line, let's say cross, it's 50 pounds a standard price. So it's about a little bit less than $2. So don't let anyone fool you because if you're new, they will always try 100, 150, etc. Then to go from here to Karnak Temple, uh, 150. We, 150, I think we, yes. we paid, which we actually don't know, like, but it's probably more or less actual price, maybe 100 you can even find. Uh, but again, don't fool anyone to, don't let fool anyone. And then uh, there are some rides that can go for one, two hours for you to watch sunset. That was very nice. Uh, we found one which was basically what, Two or three hundred per hour, which was actually I felt Egyptian pounds. Pounds, so know. yes. So this is not dollars. <laughs> it's one to thirty in terms of dollars. Mm -hmm. So we are talking about the ten dollars at most 20, per hour yeah. at most. Um, of course, we heard one person to do that one. He said about thirty dollars for for that. 
thing. So it, the price will, range, will, will, will change. Uh, there will be a range of prices. And uh, of course, it's, come on, it's $10. It's very cheap. So we ended up giving a little bit more to, the, to, the, to, the, to our driver or captain. Uh, but it's in, if you're thinking, I need to do, I have to be rich enough to do uh, the full cruise, for example, uh, you don't really. You will have the experience, actually even a more quote-unquote authentic experience because you can even go sailing on the boats that are uh, like literally like a sailboat, the same boat but instead of being powered by a motor, it's powered by a sail. And even, even with this, like having the air of the Nile and, and, the, and going around and imagining that they would go like from one side to another and how packed, like it is today in a way, like packed with ships coming back and forth and bringing people to, across the, this place that was the beginning of uh, civilizations. Uh, it, it's incredibly affordable like to, yeah. to do. So on a practical level, like I'm not sure about like more authentic experience because still it's a touristic place and you're a tourist and the city is uh, sort of forwarded towards tourists, mm -hmm. but definitely more interesting and adventurous experience if you go sort of without organized tour on your own. So from our, but also it has certain risks uh, which you need to be aware and just be careful, of course, like traveling on your own, it's always the what case for that. What do you mean that. by risk? Been fooled. Uh, okay, or but like not having... in terms of safety. Safety here no. seems to be quite alright. Yeah. No, just to just when you fooled. use that word. Like... Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. But been fooled or like upset with certain situations, you just need to be aware. And, and we talk from time to time about different sites. Also, going one other thing that I noticed. Uh, just sorry to interrupt, but this is important related to this. Uh, when you go to temples and you have a guide, usually the people that would be harassing you for things, they Inside do not. Temples. Yes, inside the temples. <laughs> That's why I said in the temples. Uh, uh, inside the temples, they are. Uh, they don't really approach people that are in the groups. Yes. That if you have a, if, so, if you have a guide, first of all, you will, uh, unless you're already like me, that like already knowledgeable or at least know like a lot about the spots, you will miss a lot. Like so, even going for one day or like uh, going with uh, with a guide, it will be nice. A private guide, if you have a family or if you're in two, it will not be expensive. And if you're in a group, it will be even cheaper. The problem of that, so you're not going to be harassed. The problem is, is hush, hush, hush. Go here, Fast, look at yeah. this, look at that, look at that. And then they give you half an hour to, to go around and then you're back on your thing. So it, it feels rushed, at least to me. But people have different experiences yeah. depending on your guide. But a couple tips from our experience I think we should tell. Yes. Um, so if you're in Luxol already, if you manage to get here, uh, there are a couple spots that you can uh, uh, reach on your own without necessarily hiring a driver. You can still get a tour guide to go inside the sightseeing to explain you the things, but the Luxor temple is literally in the middle of the city. Either you're staying there, you can go walk, probably you will be staying somewhere in the hotels close by. If you're on the West Bank, as I said, 50 pounds, across the Nile, the boats will bring you uh, right to the uh, entrance 
of the temple. Also, there are a public ferry here, yes. which is just a few minutes away from us, which costs even less. It costs five pounds per five person. Pounds is just what, not even 10 cents? I don't know. Yeah, I don't it's know, one sixth of a dollar, yeah. so whatever it is. Uh, and it goes pretty regularly. Like you still don't know exactly, there's no schedule, but we waited between few minutes to 20, 20 minutes, minutes, I think, was at most. Uh, but that one goes to the entrance uh, closer to the Luxor Museum. So from Luxor Museum, you can either get a taxi or walk. It was like 15 yeah. minutes walk to go to Luxor Temple, which is a different spot. But this option is also available and the ferry is 24 hours, supposedly. They said it's, it doesn't stop. Yeah. Uh, so the Luxor Temple and Luxor Museum it's reachable, it's right inside the city. I also highly recommend take the boat, go to Karnak Temple. You don't need a special driver or even taxi, like why? If you can just take a boat, it will, boat will not take you exactly to the entrance of the temple, but close enough. Again, it was like, what, five, five minutes minute walk, yeah. walk? And then you can always ask the contact of the boat driver that took you. They will all offer, but again, you can. And then message on WhatsApp like 15, 20 minutes before, like, oh, I'm coming back and he will pick you up exactly the same spot that he dropped you and then bring you again where wherever you want, basically. Uh, so that's uh, a uh, very affordable ride on the boat and way more interesting experience going on the mm -hmm. boat on the Nile rather than taxi drive, etc. Then for other places, you do need a, a driver, a driver yes. like pretty much. I think from an accessibility point of view, that's the only two spots that you can kind of just go on your own and then decide about tour guides for the place, for the temple itself. That's up to you if you want or not. They will all offer services right there at the temple you can to, find. Yeah. Um, but other places you kind of need to find someone to drive. You yeah, to. you do need. And also, just uh, just one thing, like technically, technically, if you have an international driver's permit from your country, technically, you could rent a car in Cairo and go down. I don't know about other cities. I heard about some German tourists actually renting cars and driving around here. I don't know how that's possible, but because the traffic is incoherent in any place in uh, in Egypt. I thought the like traffic was bad in Brazil. I thought traffic was bad in Bulgaria or in Ukraine. Istanbul. Or Istanbul. They are child's play compared to, to here. It's insane. I don't know how it works. I don't know, but it does somehow. Uh, they're not bodies yeah. on the street. But We're always surprised they, how little car accidents we saw. We yeah. saw a couple, but well, compared... All cars are, have bumps on them. All cars yes. in the country have bumps on them. But... Um, Anyway, you do not want to drive here. And um, even from like a peace of mind point of view, you just get a driver there, like uh, taxi drivers. If you're watching this episode and want contacts here, just message us, we'll send you people that we used. Um, but basically you will hire someone to either drive you or as a guide to the place. And then uh, other places that you can access close by that you can probably do in a day, uh, actually, technically, you can do everything in a day, yeah. if you rush. Not you every everything, but in two, three days. You, yeah. you will not go from Dendera yeah. and no, no, not Dendera. I'm saying around here. Ah, around here, yes. Okay. Uh, so yeah. you could go to the Valley of the Kings, for example, where you can... That's one little tip, again, about the Valley of the Kings. It's interesting. It's all the tombs where they have, like, uh, tombs of famous people, including Tutankhamun. Uh, just keep in mind that for Tutankhamun, they took out all his stuff. They just put him back there. 
so um, <laughs> they uh, and you have to pay a separate ticket for that. And they also they do all this sort of shenanigans there. That it's uh, the Valley of the Kings is the most expensive place we've been uh, so far. As an entrance ticket, as an yes. entrance, a regular entrance tickets, and then you have access to you can they basically go and stamp your uh, your ticket. You can have access to three of your choice, uh, uh, tombs. like uh, tombs. Um, and the whole valley is pretty big. And also, I didn't know that. Again, I'm not that equipped in terms of history and landscape, but Valley of the Kings, it's a very different thing than the Valley of the Queens. <laughs> so keep that in mind too. But yeah. Valley of the Kings, it's a huge territory. And then you enter, you see the 3D sort of a map, which was very cute. And I don't know how many, like 10, 15, 20 tombs in total, but in your regular ticket you can only go as you mentioned to three yeah and then you can do if you want to go to a certain other ones then you need to ask uh, like pay a specific ticket to to go to those and uh, in each one there will be um, one or two workers that like local people that are uh, like checking your tickets um, so that's one thing um, also important thing about that is that uh, some tombs are very interesting visually. Again, it depends for the reason why you go there. Uh, so if it's just to see like visually or they decorated with all these paintings, with colors, and some tombs are much more simpler and almost like with, I mean, I don't know how like fully empty walls because we haven't seen all the tombs, but what we were told that they are way less interesting. So you actually need to know which tombs you're gonna go to because you have only three. It's not like you can just come and wonder like, oh, let's go here, let's go there or there, because you may end up going into very like boring, uninteresting yeah. things and being disappointed. Yeah. So we were recommended to go to Ramses the first, first the ninth, ninth and, uh, sixth. and sixth. Yeah. 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 And they, uh, <clears throat> they're very interesting. They have a lot of like the interesting artworks on the wall. So like, from everything, if you're paying attention to those things in school, you will get a kick out of seeing those uh, those uh, those places. Then you have we uh, close by, so you can do those things on the same day, which is to go to Hatshepsut Temple, and uh, so Hatshepsut became somewhat famous. Actually, after I learned, I did not learn about her in school, to be honest. Mm. Like it came afterwards. Uh, the um, I mean, I'm sure it she was mentioned. But it's basically one of those queens that got, she was a pharaoh, right? So she served as king for a while, uh, one of the powerful women in ancient Egypt. But um, from what I remember, her significance is that she was actually the first pharaoh. Before her, there was female first? rulers. But they were ah, ruling regions. as a re yeah. regions. Yeah. Yes. So they were yeah. in, like as a like taking care of the little pharaohs yeah the but, but she was the actual first female pharaoh. yeah she's even represented with the beard of the pharaoh and the interesting thing about that is that you can um, um she was basically erased from history later together with tutankhamun and together with uh, um akhenaton right so um um, actually, when you go to Abydos, again, they're jumping around with names and places, but when you go to Abydos, to the temple site of the first, there's a wall where they have the king's list. Sorry, there's some uh, boat docking. Um, you have the valley of the king, you have the, the king's list on the wall, and that's very cool. And when it was created, they actually 
purposefully took out the names of Hatshepsut, uh, Tutankhamun, and uh, Akhenaten. Akhenaten is the guy that decided to be the hippie pharaoh and create a one god kind of a thing. Lasted just a little bit, and then it came back to polytheistic um, religion. So the cool thing about that for, for uh, Tutankhamun is that people were not looking for him because his name was not on the walls. Because most of those tombs, as Yano was saying, like uh, of the Valley of the Kings, they have been looted already in antiquity, right? So yeah. most of them, and with Tutankhamun's tomb that is the most famous today, like all the riches, he was actually a very unimportant pharaoh. So you can only imagine what was on the other tombs of the other uh, pharaohs. Um, so you have, but it was very cool to see. So with that preamble, like huge preamble, uh, uh, when you go to uh, um, Hatshepsut Temple, which is where a lot of like Instagrammers now take photos in front of, um, you you will see a very cool temple. They call actually mortuary temple. We're going to talk a little bit later. I think we can close off later with talking about dance and content creation in those places because I have specific views about that. Um, and uh, then if you want, we did not go there, but I know that you could go very easily too to the Valley of the Queens, which will have... Nefertari uh, tomb, uh, Nefertari is famous. Tomb. Uh, and you can go to... Uh, um, uh, I forgot the name of the place now, but it's basically the Worker's Village. So there is one, uh, it will come back to my, it's uh, Abu something. Uh, I forgot the name, but it's... Uh, uh, there is a specific place close to the Valley of the Queens where you have <clears throat> that super ruins, like very yeah. few things remaining, that you'll have uh, the, where the workers that created the artwork on the tombs uh, uh, lived. Yeah. So that we did not go there, uh, but that's another place. So basically around here, you'll have those places to go. And then if you get hire a car to go to Dendera and uh, Abydos, that's also very cool to see. Yeah, and one another tip, like if you want to have the very interesting uh, experience and if you can afford to be a little bit, couple more days here, try to go to those temples, uh, be the first ones. Like once they offer, like open officially at 6.30, be there at 6.30. Officially at 7, be there at 7. Because our experience would have been very different in Hatshepsut Temple and Hathor temple and then there if we were not the first ones uh, because then it becomes like in one two hours it becomes super crowded with people which for some people it's not a problem if you just want to see like sure you will see you will have really cool experience but it's a different level if you're the first one there and it's like empty or just a couple people around and even just for experience and impression so uh that's why like i personally would highly recommend uh go try to go to hatchet right in the morning and then afterward go to the valley of the kings and then if you want uh, on the same day you can go to luxor temple or karnak temple they open till evening till late in the evening yes. even luxor museum they have a long break during daytime i think from one to five, five or six five. even one to five they're closed but then from five to eight they open museum is actually very very small so again it will in terms of time management time planning it will not take you too long yeah. but those these four places you can do in one day but i would highly recommend either start with one of the temples if you want to experience temple like here looks or karnak right in the morning or hatchet temple because hatchet temple visually uh 
one of the most famous interesting it's from outside yeah. from outdoor like you you see the temple and that's where people take pictures inside it's actually way smaller than what i expected it's still interesting but way smaller so that's some tips for you and then many people also like we combined dendera and abydos uh in one trip I would also recommend start with Dendera yeah. first to experience it because many people go opposite. Mm. They go long way because Abydos is way longer. It's about three hours, three hours, hours from Luxor. Hours so maybe hours, pe yeah. many people go there first and then on the way back go to Hathor Temple in Dendera. I would highly recommend go opposite if you want to go to both places so that you see like experience Hathor Temple yeah. on your own almost like a private mm -hmm. private moment there. Because also Abydos, um, we went afterwards, it was not full with people actually, no. at least in June like right now, but Abydos Temple, it's considered to be still sacred. So people, the guide was even mentioned that at some point they have like a 40 day festival celebrating something and people come there still like, no, sorry, they used no, to come, they used, they used to mm -hmm. come, but many people still till now, they kind of considered it like as a sacred place, special place. So it's not just a temple, sightseeing temple. Of course, all of them, they have special meaning to Egypt, but most places they become just touristic sightseeing. That place, Abydos, it's different. So, uh, and it's way less crowded with tourists because I think it's super far and uh, it's more about pinion rather than visual. Like it's interesting visually, but compared to other temples for tourists, probably less. Uh, so I would recommend go to Hathor and then if you want, go to Abydos. Uh, you still will have nice experience there. Yeah, like visually, the other interesting thing about uh, specifically Dendera, the Temple of Hathor, that you're talking about, they got like fascinated, not only from the point of view that uh, Hathor, this goddess, was um, it, like in ancient Egypt, the goddess related to the arts, right? So you have a representation of like music, dance, and even drunkenness and uh, other kinds of, uh, they have this, it looks like a hash pipe. Um, and uh, so it was very cool to see that temple. And since it's more preserved, it gives you another um, impression of it. And what I noticed when we were there, that why does it, why does it feel special, mm. right? Besides the meaning, besides from an architectural point of view, why does it feel special? And I realized only when I got there, we actually didn't talk about this. It's closed, it has a roof. Most temples, uh. like the temple of Luxor, Karnak, all those places. You go inside places and they tell you, okay, this had a roof, right? So you had, you have a, a certain statue or a certain painting or a certain this. It used to be covered. And the way it was covered, it had a very, let's say, smart way of illuminating with a little hole on the ceiling. That an idea that was borrowed later by the Greeks, by the Romans, like we stopped doing it that way. But there it sort of makes sense. That's why you can do, even did in a couple places, these photos with like this beam of light that uh, at noon he, uh, and because it's very dusty then the, the dust goes up and then there is like this very like magical beam of light that you can see coming down which makes it very uh, very special but in both in Abydos but especially in uh, in Hathor you have a ceiling so you are in a temple it has that grandiosity but intimacy Right, and that's something that I only noticed because we went there. We actually didn't even talk about it. But that's one of those things that made it like quite 
uh, special mm. to to see places we haven't been yet and we're still uh debating just to mention to people to inter this little tour of the region is that uh then this is all going north from from Musu, that way going south you have the temple of Edfu, the Edfu, uh, Edfu uh, building, which was actually buried for a long time and then rediscovered in the 1800s, I think. And the cool thing is that the walls are completely covered with what was once written in papyri. And uh, they have even the Edfu project that they basically scanned, co for, like copied, and then they're trying to translate all those texts. Uh, texts. They have a lot of... Uh, ancient mythology from Egypt that even though the temple is fairly new, I think it's either New Kingdom or like even later, but even Ptolemaic times, I think. Yeah, sorry for the sounds. Uh, but they are um, uh, referring to very, very ancient texts. So, so that would be an interesting place to, to visit. There is what's the name of the... Esna. Esna too, apparently, is very cool. We, we don't know Visually, yet. Visually, it was like I was yeah. checking too. Like, it looks very yeah. cool too. Like, with the preserved columns yeah. and colors. But yeah. we'll see if you go. Yeah, and then, uh, I mean, eventually we'll go. I just don't know if it's on this trip. And then you can go down to Aswan, where they have, like, to me, the unfinished obelisk. It's one of those things. It's like a 1,000 tons. Uh, unfinished obelisk that you can see on the quarries. On Aswan is where they got a lot of the, the, the stones to make a lot of the temples in Egypt. They would ship it across the Nile. Also, it would be interesting to see the dam because right now the size of the, of the Nile is very um, constant. And the Nile used to flood all the time. So it would go actually all the way to the um, steps of a lot of the temples, right? Yeah. So uh, at different times of the, of the year. So that's kind of interesting. And then if you want, you can go all the way down to Abu Simbel, that it also has a lot of the Instagrammable uh, like <laughs> spots. But we can't talk about those places because we haven't been to those yet. Maybe we should also mention for dancers that you had a class... Ah, yeah, that's a different topic, topic. of course. Mm -hmm. That's not on the sites or tours, but for sure, for dancers, uh, ballet dancers, or anyone who is interested in Egyptian style of dancing, uh, definitely keep in mind that in Luxor, it's one of the famous dancers, Kariya Mazin, uh, basically, last Gawazi from the family Mazin uh, lives. I, I kind of felt like it almost deserves the whole separate episode. Yes, 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 of course. Uh, because Gawazis, uh, they were traditionally, historically, dancers, musicians, entertainers, and Mazin family is very known. And she was an active performer for many, many years. And now she's the last one from this family who still remains and teaches. And she lives in Luxor. So definitely keep in mind and plan some time to go and study with her. Uh, again, you can contact us. We'll pass like how to contact her and arrange the class. It was very interesting experience because she teaches literally in her apartment, in her like uh, flat, in, in the bedroom. You can also arrange separate space, but she also accepts this. And and uh, she plays the music from the uh, old record, the cassette player, and she just dances. So that's the way how traditionally you learn like dance in Egypt. Nobody takes classes or explains the movements. Like the kids see how the adult dance, they start dancing. So that's how she, her manner of teaching too. 
is so she just starts dancing and you try to repeat movements follow her and there is this interaction because gabazi dance is not only about movement it's also about the interaction between dancers so that was a very very cool experience we're gonna repeat and we're gonna do probably something special but that will be later like uh, talking mm -hmm. about that but I definitely highly recommend if you're going to Luxor, plan time, uh, plan time for that because she's right here, she's the last one and it's not only a cool experience for you, it's also your contribution to support the culture, the dance culture and her because that's a very, she's in a very specific uh, situation in terms of relationship between dance and Egypt culture. But again, that's a huge topic, let's yeah. not even start it. But time-wise, if you're planning your itinerary, Plan, plan this time. It's really worth and really, really cool experience. Yeah. Then um, I guess to just to close off, uh, first of all, thank you for being with us so far. Uh, and uh, know that you can watch this both on YouTube uh, and other visual, like uh, video platforms as they come out. Uh, but you can also hear this as a podcast. So on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasts, like wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, <laughs> and I'll just add as the uh -huh. closing tool, like for those uh, who are in the dance field or want to start dancing, don't forget to check our platform, Yana Dance Club, because we keep working nonstop and sharing our uh, travel and dance experience by recording content and dance content, dance classes in different spaces and literally yesterday we were recording a very special class on yeah. the boat in the middle of Nile so it will be out soon but uh, you kind of can see throughout the uh, history of our travel adventures uh, content from different uh, places around the world and of course uh, study dance so that's uh, something for you to check I will put link in the show notes Yes. To this episode, and uh... Uh, I guess there is another subject I wanted to talk about. There is uh, the uh, dancing in the ancient okay. places, but <laughs> I think that we should leave for another episode, maybe because this is getting a little bit uh, long. But uh, just as a tease, it's uh, I'm very glad that we're able to sneak in a little bit of dancing in the places of the goddesses that were about dancing. So that's, we can talk a little uh, bit about that because yeah. maybe. Uh, we have a slightly, um, not different approach, but I think I'm a little bit more conscious yes. <laughs> about that. In general, obviously you cannot just come and like, uh, uh, start dancing and doing like a belly dance or photo shoots in temples or pyramids or anything like that. But um, temples, they are different than... Tombs. Tombs. They are also different than pyramids. And they're also different than mosques, just to clarify. Of and you're talking about 3,000 year differences. Yes. yes. So historically, actually, many temples, and you can even see that when you come in, uh, they do have, they're designed, they were designed for certain processions and for, for certain celebrations, celebrations and, that included dance and music. It's very cool also to see on the walls so many times the uh, depiction of Sistrum, which I should have taken because I got we'll, mine. We'll, talk, we'll do a whole thing about dancing. <laughs> Uh, and it's an ancient music instrument that often were holded by dancers, held. held by dancers. So they were having them in hands while they were dancing. And it's you can see that the dance and music was present in the history of temples, in the vibe. Uh, 
<clears throat> of temples like uh, depends some more some less some are very obvious like okay it's it was done for some kind of procession festival celebration the space uh, even the design of temple so from historical point of view uh, dance was present in those places and it was very cool at some some places to sneak a little bit of dance and again i was not doing any ballet dance costume and for me it was also important thing to keep in mind what is appropriate or not appropriate like i will not dance in a tomb like okay it's visually interesting yes but no i will personally not do that but in temples some temples it was very interesting experience to feel like the movement little dancing and uh, yeah that was cool yeah and uh, on that note at least to me like because i my approach is more like at least i understand that let's say the current inhabitants of a place they will if they are the owners of the land they will dictate what you can or you can't do or it's appropriate or not appropriate but the first thing that i learned unfortunately coming here is that basically you can do whatever you want, just don't film and post on the internet. That's one thing. Um, and I... Having been brought up in an atheist family, uh, and uh, at least part of the family, part is Catholic, part atheist, and then I was, let's say, on my own thinking, I was more on the agnostic side, now I have a little bit of a different view, but what I hate what I hate, no, what I dislike is hypocrisy. So I, and also the fact that we are like, whenever we travel to places where there is, I'm sorry, threat of violence, depending on what you say or think, um, is something that I have this, I don't know, maybe it's the journalist gene from my parents in me. Like I, I can't accept that. And also when you have such beauty where you have literally phalluses represented by the gods and then you're trying to be also that's, that's something to notice that yeah. it was scratched yeah. from the walls even in modern times even victorian times they were covering the things and not talking about that element of sexuality and sensuality in terms but that's not really the subject subject is uh, things you want to do to celebrate that spot that will change through time right so there is what they used to do and then if you think about it all, oh, we should respect those places, so we should not go inside. If you want to really respect a tomb, you do not go inside the tomb. It was meant to be closed. So what do you mean by respect? You are already disrespecting by taking their stuff out of the place to showcase in museums, sometimes even the carcasses, their bodies. So anyway, this is like, um, this is not me uh, like preaching, it's actually me perplexed with what we do as a society and even for me as like an artist i see a place that's what happened in the temple in habu i want to photograph here and you wanted to do like a dance you wanted to like move we wanted to photograph here was it appropriate depends who you ask yeah. and since depends who you ask as long as you're honoring the beauty of human creations i think it's all fair game you know and uh, at least in my view and then of course you have to balance that with um, any kind of action that can be taken against you but um, anyway it's a bit more on the general end uh, for me and i know that for you you're always more more uncomfortable with that but like i was like i want to create this series and we already started that in a way of 
fashion in ancient places. We even did a little bit of those things. So this is one of those things that I was like looking around here to, to do. And that's kind of cool too. Um, so I don't understand, like from my point of view, like why can't you do jumping, looking at the pyramids, putting sunglasses on the Sphinx, doing a kiss on the Sphinx or doing whatever um, uh, tourists do, but creating art inspired by those places it's somewhat that you should be careful about like that's um um unfortunately something that uh, in my opinion should be changed yeah i think i mean this is a part of way bigger and different conversation is about conversation of dance I mean, particularly dance um, and other art forms, but dance specifically and relationship between dance and Egyptian culture in today's reality. Yeah. But that's a huge different topic. So yeah. we'll leave it for later. It's just something for, again, from point of view of visiting, if any dancers are watching, forget about trying to get any dance uh, like costumes or photo shoots like that uh, just try to be creative and enjoy the space and always research and see like what the space is about and see how you, like first of all from your perspective from perspective of what's allowed and not allowed like i worry a little bit less because if they see something not allowed that you do they will stop you there is guys and security yeah. everywhere there uh, but it's more for me perspective of your own choice uh, so that you know what place you are like you will not dance in front of a mosque make sure you're not dancing in front of other places which is not appropriate from cultural point of view to, yeah. to dance at but it's not saying that it's not historically or culturally in my opinion not appropriate to do anywhere like there are some spaces you just need to like be aware and research and first of all go from your perspective because anything else if anything they will stop you <laughs> yeah and uh just to finish off like my i don't know if you want to talk about this but like let's say okay it's one thing when you go to the temple and you look and you're inspired but those thoughts that come i even wrote a text about it like it's in my blog um uh that we did a photo of both of us sitting and looking in the uh, Habu temple and uh that's where i got let's say a little bit stronger feeling about this that you have this if you look you can still see the colors so you can still see the beauty the original beauty of those places of those temples and uh the thought that came to mind maybe just to finish off because i just wanted to 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 mention this is that when i was looking at that um i had this image that you could go and do like music and dance and basically gather a lot of people in that place and i had this image that as the beats and as the people started moving around the place, the walls would... The image that came to my mind is that the walls were crying because they were seen again. And as the tears came down, they started being colored all the way down. That was the image that came to my mind when I saw uh the temple it may sound woo woo or whatever but i really felt like uh, touched when i saw that and that's why i thought like these ancient places might eventually be places that are still used you know like uh, more than just a lecture more than just a photo op maybe a place that is so beautiful that it should be celebrated you know uh but um for now it was cool to do a little bit of mapping of beauty to come. 
So that's the. Uh, that would be cool that. to have some actual like full dancing music in those places and temples. Well, let's Someday. hope one day. Inshallah. And until uh, that day, or oh, no, until Next earlier <laughs> probably uh, than that day. Um, this has been Artist Date. Follow us on social media. Find all information about the the show on uh, yanadance.com slash artist date. You can also find information that on my website, pedrobonato.com slash artist date. And uh, we'll see you next time.